welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. On the show today, three designers discuss the unique ways they run their businesses, relate to their clients, and view design. The content is from a Las Vegas market panel that I moderated this summer. Called Designing an Uncommon Life, I chose three female designers who have very different aesthetics but all believe in design's high purpose to deliver personalized spaces which support people and families living their authentic best lives. In the proverbial house today, the fearless Orange, New Jersey-based realtor-turned-decorator Alicia Bailey of Bailey Lee Interiors, who is often found climbing high ladders in order to create gorgeous, textured, hand-painted wall murals for her clients. Also, Chicago native Amy Wartepney of the design firm Project, who, with her tribe of six, crafts unapologetic interiors that can be characterized as an organic glam mashup with a dose of grit. And also, Ireland-born, New York-based Cloda of Cloda Design, a pioneer in eco-friendly design and life-enhancing minimalism whose interior design career has always been focused on well-being, comfort, and sustainability. While the audio is quite good on this Zoom panel, I had some personal technical challenges and disappeared for a bit of time right after asking the first question. But never mind, these designers barely miss a beat and carry on the conversation. I hope you fall in love with these designers as much as I have. Ready? Let's get right into the conversation. Um, my first question, we all get that place affects person. With that said, take us back and tell us something about your childhood and upbringing that has made a long-lasting impression or impact on your design philosophy. And Cloda, I would love to start with you because you were born the farthest away in Ireland and lived in Oscar Wilde's summer house. So could you tell us a little bit about how your growing up impacts your design? Well, I was born in the west of Ireland um, of John Rodley Mobile aristocratic parents. We were really ran wild as children. We had horses and dogs. We lived in Oscar Wilde's country home for a while. Oh. Peacocks used to come up the lawn. The colors in the west of Ireland are amazing. And uh, I was imbued with the seasons and stately homes and uh, far too much silver and mahogany. <laughs> and when, when we were down in Mobile, so we changed houses four times before I was 16. And I was very glad to see the stuff being sold. <laughs> I didn't have to take care of it anymore. So now I believe in low maintenance and I believe in the use of 
gentle, beautiful colors. And um, I, I believe in no clutter. I believe in letting the body breathe in space and the mind breathe in space without too many good art, of course, but not but not too much stuff. Well, you can see that these, that these images is not much stuff. Right. And very often we use walls as art. So I, I, I went 180 degrees from my childhood with all the nostalgia, the good nostalgia has stayed. But otherwise I left, I left all the clutter and pomposity <laughs> further and further behind. Mm -hmm. And then I traveled in Paris. And this is, oh, this shot is me in Africa. I, I love horses and I love Africa. What kids we look after there. So I was doing a riding um, safari, horse safari. Mm -hmm. And I like to try, I think of being a child, being brought up, so, so being packed off to boarding school, selling the antiques paid for the, for the boarding school, that I, I always long for freedom. And I never feel freer than when I'm on a, a good horse. And since so on safari, you feel even freer. Mm -hmm. That picture gives me goosebumps of you on the horse on safari. I've been mm -hmm. to many times, and yeah, there's nothing like being being in in the bush. No, nothing. <laughs> You've been in Africa, right? Oh, that's incredible. Quite a contrast to you, Cloda. I grew up. Um, I'm a city girl through and through. No green pastures and riding horses for me. I actually like rode the L. <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs> I took two public buses to high school, and um, I think that you know something about my upbringing that really had a positive or it had an effect on uh, my design philosophy is uh, maybe just first of all having the courage um, to move around the city on my own. You had to be really courageous and bold to navigate through public transportation and all of that. So for right then and there. I think it gave me an opportunity to really come into uh, my power in that way. Um, I grew up in a two-bedroom apartment, and uh, I shared one of the bedrooms with two of my sisters. So moving around a bunk bed and a twin bed, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, the, a way that I got really creative. Um, but... I would say what's most affected my design philosophy was um, from my upbringing was how much love and comfort I had at my house. Um, so I feel like one of my superpowers is fostering a sense of community and bringing people together, making them feel welcome um, at our office, in my life, and in our spaces too. So um, approachable, not too precious, um, lots of stories, sentiments, and then laughter. So um, that's my personal home base, and that's what I try to bring to the table for all of our all of our projects and all of our clients' homes and spaces. Oh. Are you going to lead us inside the airstream? <laughs> I know. what's going on in there i got my I eye on an airstream at the moment it just depends on what it depends on what the day is i mean sadly we have we we did have a huge party in 
um, on Valentine's night to celebrate our 15 year anniversary. And we were doing goddess card readings in there that night, but you can have a drink, a coffee, a nap. We've had meetings in there. It's been a kissing booth on, on another Valentine party. It's, <laughs> it's everything. It's we've hosted, you know, some of the girls that work with me, their kids birthday parties. It's just really a fun, it's loaded with my grandma's mat. Um, uh, doilies um, as the drapery and it was fun uh, renovating it with my nephew um, so yeah it's really special and if you have a 6,000 square foot warehouse with tall ceilings I mean what and, and six girls six ladies that work with you we've got a lot of <laughs> might as well <laughs> might as well right <laughs> oh my god that sounds amazing I gotta yeah. check that out I don't yeah. think I've seen that one. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and look at the airstream that's for sale. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been a really great um, element of fun and surprise in our studio. We're in a very nondescript building, no sign on the door. Um, Looks like a little black storefront that's, you know, bricked in and has glass block and, uh, you walk in and it's just this big white bright space with a huge skylight and yeah, our camper and camper's name Steffi after my grandma who <laughs> from Poland and it's just fun. Really, really, really great, energetically great space to be in. Nice. Okay, I guess I'll I'll jump on and talk a little bit about myself um, in my childhood. So I basically grew up in East Orange, uh, New Jersey. Um, I was not raised by my parents. I was raised by my grandparents. Um, And my grandma, I think, I called her Nana. I think she somehow, you know, put me on to um, my interest in furniture and in home design and decor in her own way. Because I, I remember going shopping with her to uh, search for a sofa and like every maybe three to five years she would buy new furniture and so we I went with her to get this red velvet sofa and it was a sectional and it was so gorgeous and I couldn't wait for it to get delivered I went home from school to see it and when it's there it looks amazing but she had it wrapped in plastic (laughs) (laughs) and so I was like man no like why we can't enjoy it right so but for us, um, I think it was about preservation for her. Um, the kids wouldn't mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, so she was very particular about making sure that, you know, her living room was amazing. And if people walked in there, it was going to stay that way forever. Right. And so <laughs> until she bought new furniture. So, um, so when I saw that, it kind of broke my heart to see the plastic, uh, <laughs> the plastic wrapped sectional. But, um, after that, I was really just into like, oh my God, like beautiful furniture and making a space feel amazing. Because when we walked into this new living room, every time I came home from school and I walked into this new living room, I just felt different. I felt happier. I felt more uplifted. Um, so I knew that it was having an impact on me in a way that I hadn't imagined as a child. Um, so then I think Later on in life, I started to really start getting into the craftsmanship of furniture and antiques uh, kind of pulled me in. 
I also realized that as a child, I always was fascinated with people's attics. I was afraid of basements, but I was fascinated <laughs> with attics. <laughs> and it felt like the attics stored some really good stuff. Like that's where people had some amazing things like artwork or things that they were just like hiding away. Um, but that were older pieces that were valuables. Um, and so I, whenever I had a chance, I was in someone's, my aunt's attic or someone's attic when I would go over their houses and I was just fascinated. Like if you see like the antique frame behind me, just the detail, I absolutely loved it. And then I just was very interested in figuring out how to have that same beautiful craftsmanship, current day, modern day, but with a refresh, right? So I would get beautiful antique chairs, I would find them, and then I'd either do them over myself, I taught myself how to reupholster, or I'd get someone, I'd collaborate with an artist and I'd make something really unusual, like graffiti chairs. Um, and so I'd have an artist like paint on, you know, leather skins and, um, and do graffiti on them. And then, but it'd be this Bergere, this antique Bergere. And it, they became almost like installations for people. Um, people asked me to start exhibiting uh, my furniture pieces because everything was such a statement. And that put me into the art world. And I was like, this is an amazing kind of hybrid space to exist. Um, one day I decided um, that, you know, design or decoration just wasn't enough. And I'm like, I want to do something more. And I started hand painting walls. I got up one day and I just did it. And I just loved working with the paints. It just put me in such a zone, the metallic paints and combining colors and textures and then creating this amazing wall um, that when that light hits it at certain types of times of day, it has a different effect than it did at night. And um, I just loved it. And I just keep exploring that artistic side of myself. Um, and I do infuse antiques, um, but I do, in, you know, bring in modern elements as well. So it's like this eclectic blend. And I, my clients are my muse, you know, they are the people that inspire me. So when I'm doing a space for them, it is their personality that you're seeing uh, on that, you know, on that, in that space. So that's that <laughs> for me, I think for now. So when did you guys start a business? You said you've been in, you had an anniversary, right, Anna? 15, 15 years ago. It's just, um, I don't know where the years have gone, but yeah, 15 years. And um, it's been a wild ride. It's been wonderful and hard and beautiful and all of the things. <laughs> um, who would have thought this 2020 would have been... You know, I thought that, you know, my team and I would be on an epic trip somewhere this year. But, uh, you know, they both uh, have really great backyards with big, you know, like forested areas. So we were talking this morning, maybe we need to start doing some like, you know, some bonfire parties together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting in a fire bowl. I've got a guitarist who lives next door. My husband sings. Oh, so, you know, oh, it's... Uh, and of course, in the middle of moving into this new house, a giant hundred foot tall tree fell right across two properties and smashed my deck. So I'm in repair mode too. <laughs> oh, no. A lot going on. We've had some really nasty storms in the north. It's funny that you guys talk about like a, a gathering of such because I 
I hosted a courtyard concert. Um, I live in an artist community and there are an amazing artists um, that live here aside from myself. And so we were all kind of quarantined together during COVID, but it, it, it resulted in us really just putting our creative hats on and doing really cool stuff together. And so we, one of my friends is a neighbor and he is a furniture builder. He built a swing suite right in front of my studio. And then I hosted a concert at the swing suite (laughs) for everyone in the courtyard. So it was a really beautiful thing. We just had blankets and pillows on the lawn and I had friends that sing and they came and they performed and it was intimate, but it was so needed during these times. And we really enjoyed that. I was just going to say designs about community, you know, we've got the loneliness project, you know, people are are sad and lonely and we I think design creates a place where people can get together and communicate, make music, yeah. dance. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and right. And collaborate. It's just a beautiful thing when Exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. I've been cooking my head off. Um <laughs> crying, crying. I mean I love to cook anyway, but yeah, twenty one meals a week. <laughs> Talk about creativity. That's <laughs> incredible. Nice. And it was funny. I went into New York yesterday for a site visit and I had lunch out. It was like, you know, travel. <laughs> How yeah. far away from the city are you now? I'm an hour and a quarter by car. Okay. So I've only been in a few times. We decided to, um, we decided to, to go into really uh, into isolation. Although my son lives up the road with his little girls. And he's put in an organic garden, and there's seven hens. <laughs> so there's a lot of nice things happening. I think people are exploring sides of themselves. Hey, listeners, it's Jane Dagmy, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes, interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. I know that each of you is very, uh, you have your own way of getting to your clients. You know, you deliver a client experience that begins with the interview process. And um, so I wanted to hear a little bit about how you get close to your clients, what that sort of secret recipe is, um, which enables you to get and do amazing projects. And Amy, I you once told me, and when I interviewed you back in October of last year, you said, I know every girl who works with me on a deep level, and this is how our relationships are with our clients. And so I just wanted you to start a little bit about that, how you get close. Hmm. Um, well, I think that, um, you know, it states very boldly on our website and our bio that you know, this isn't biz- this isn't just business, it's personal, uh, which is so true. I mean, we all know 
especially with residential design, you're, you're in people's homes, you're in their business, you're holding their babies, you're sometimes, you know, in the middle of some marital bickering and (laughs) big decisions are being made and all of that. So yeah, I mean, it is really important to establish that baseline of, I think, trust um, and connection. And I think that the most important thing um, that I've learned just thinking back on knowing when there wasn't that connection and not like truly listening and honoring that. Um, So 15 years in the business, I feel like we've established some sort of... I want to say it's at an energetic level because... Mm. Um, what we're putting out in the world, what we're what we're authentically doing and be and how we are through our work, through all of the work that we do, I feel like is bringing in the person that we want to work with, if that makes sense. So right. um, even just in the last few months when we had some scary times, like, you know, we had projects put on hold, we had, you know, a series, a handful of weeks where we didn't have we just were having a hard time. And I know the whole world was shutting down. But something that I took from that experience with some of the new projects that came in that I could just personally say spoke to me was having three people tell me, I love your energy. I don't know you. I know you through Instagram or the things I've read or the things I've seen. And we want a part of we want that in our process. And so um, honestly, that opened up a dialogue to start talking about all kinds of things other than even the project. You know, we're talking about family and purpose and travel and, you know, um, I don't know, just connecting on a deeper level right away. I feel like just really, I mean, we're asking the common, we're asking the common questions. You know, we um, don't have an official questionnaire. There's something that's pretty basic that's on our website that, you know, asks people about their vibe and what projects of ours they've resonated with and so forth. Um, We talk to people about if they're, you know, pulling um, samples of, you know, tearing out magazine images. Do they have a stash of like things that they're drawn to or love, things they like or don't like? Those are sort of the things um, that we're asking. Right. Ultimately, it's just like a human connection. And I can say probably about 70% of the work that we have in our studio right now, um, it's repeat business. And it's happening now. Our clients are starting to like escape and have places in other parts of the country and even outside of the country. And that's been really great. So I don't know. I guess it's just getting to know someone on a deeper level, really hearing them, pushing their boundaries helping them tell the story of their home through the design process and holding their hand along and being there along for the ride. Bailey, can you talk a little bit about how you get close to your clients? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You and I were discussing a story of kind of how I got dragged back into um, interior design because I was in corporate America for years. And then at one point I was like, I don't want to, you know, design, you know, so I went back into corporate America and I had this client that basically stalked me and like, no, (laughs) I must have you as my designer because, you know, you're going to change my life. And I'm like, what, you know, what are you talking about? So I finally met with her after three months of her approaching me. And I'm like, I'm in corporate America. I'm fine. I don't want to do this. 
But I sat down with her and we basically ended that meeting in tears because here this was a woman who um, was highly successful at the time and um, was like the lead attorney of a pharmaceutical company. And she had just gotten like the the life of her dreams, she thought, right? Her, her dream home, her daughter, her husband. And then things went left, like completely just fell apart. And, um, and she needed to restart her life. And she sought me out to help her do this. And she kept approaching it like, no, you know, this is going to, um, this is going to, I need you to help me get my life back, in other words. And once I talked to her and, and, and heard about the pain and the struggle that she was going through and the hurt, I realized that, yeah, you know, this really does. That's what design is. Like we're changing and impacting people's lives in a way that we can't even imagine. And so it is important for us to really get to know our clients, our their lives, their lifestyles, the things that they have been through. Um, this woman had come from very humble beginnings and was now very successful, but she was going through something really hard in her life, uh, a divorce and all of that. And so she just wanted to feel good. I just want my home to represent who I am and I want to feel amazing. And I want my daughter to feel amazing when we're in here. And so for me, that led me to this, to this idea of like what you said, Amy, like we're getting to really know people on a deeper level that, um, I even say I have this joke that I say where I'm like, where if, if you become my client, it's kind of like we go together. We're in a relationship, <laughs> whether you're a male or a female or a couple, we go together. Like we need communication and trust and we need to really get to know each other. We, we need to know, you know, what we've been through, where we're heading. Um, and we need our environments to represent that and to create spaces for people to actually grow and expand as people. Right. So it's not just limited to where you are right now, but where are you heading in your life? We were just talking about getting to know our clients and um, sort of that that process um, and giving the client the experience of, of Cloda before you even touch their space. And I know I heard um, in one interview of yours about um, that you ask about horoscopes and things. So I just would love to know about your process, how you get to know your client deeply. Well, we, I, I work with the four C's. Once I've got their horoscope and I figured out what I might expect. Uh, and some of the corporate people are like uh, a little taken aback that I should ask their horoscope with mildly. But they give it mm-hmm. anyway, and they start to loosen up a bit. Like our studio, studio is a hugging studio when you could actually hug, mm-hmm. and the corporate types would come in very uptight, and and you give them big hugs, and you could see them kind of look, look reel back a little bit, and then come forward and start to open up. Um, I get the horoscope, and I work with the four C's as my first book, which is contemplate, cleanse, clarify, create. So I sit my clients down, um, I interview them singly and also together. If it's a family or an office, I interview everybody, but I do interview them separately as well because people are less constrained if they're stating their wants um, one-to-one. And contemplate is uh, contemplate where you were, where you are now, and where you want to go. And then cleanse is get rid of all 
get rid of get, get rid of everything preconceived ideas you know just just cleanse yourself so you're open and that includes cleansing your home walking into your closets in your client's mind when I'm interviewing them and they usually go pale when I talk about their closets or if I want to open their kitchen cabinets because a lot of people are clutter bugs and there's a lot of stagnation in their homes so I try to get rid of that with the cleanse it's like if you had a dining room that you Table that's beautiful, but you you score the dining room table in a lousy divorce. That means you're sitting at a lousy divorce every time you have a meal on that table because mm-hmm. there is no such thing as an inanimate object. I believe, you know, in the, when I when I'm traveling, I go all around the world, and I, I so many so many communities and cultures believe that, that there is no such thing as an inanimate object. An object speaks to you; it holds memories. So after the cleanse is done, uh, you start creating. And I, I encourage people to make two lists. Um, must-haves, possibly, and wish list. And I suggest that they jump from must-have to wish list because if you have time to look, think about it, if you really want something or not, you probably don't want it at all. You're probably trying to sell yourself something. Or yourself something your mother told you you should have, or something. It's right. Do you think then you then we go on and we create? And the beautiful thing about design, it helps people to find to find their true selves, mm-hmm. because the place has to be supportive, environmental, all those good things, and um, they're part of the choosing process. They can't avoid that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've, I've helped people to. Um, we we do art consulting. We help people to choose art because they never kind of dared to before because people are a bit worried that designers might look down on them because their taste was so-so. But I find Mm -hmm. if I'm working with somebody for a little while that their true taste comes out. And very often I go into a showroom or an art gallery and I say nothing, just say, why don't you just wander around, you know, see what you feel like, what what speaks to you. And, And almost invariably they choose something I would have chosen. I don't know what it is, if it's an energy thing. And we, we become very good friends. My first job in New York, actually, I, I did a lot of work in Spain because I changed husbands' countries and careers some time <laughs> back <laughs> and left fashion to go into, <laughs> to go into design. <laughs> I, I know. So, you know, the first guy I met in New York, I met this wonderful guy and his wife. They had a vineyard in the Napa Valley, and that I, I was recommended. God knows why, because I've, I've had no, I've had no um, formal training whatsoever. Really, a few classes and stuff like that. But anyway, Michael said to me, "Show me your portfolio," and I said, "I never show my portfolio," which was truth and a lie in a sense, because I didn't have one to show. So. <laughs> <laughs> And then he looked at me and he said, well, come and have dinner with me and my wife because if you can sit down and have a good conversation around a table and have a glass of wine, then the chances are that the relationship will continue. And uh, I went to dinner and it continued. <laughs> that, that was in New York or Spain? That was New York. New York. But what's the last C um, after create? What's the final C? Contemplate plans, clarify your make your list. Clarify, yeah, yeah, and then create the four C's. Now we have to add to that comfort, color, and cash, and very Ah. many other things. (laughs) (laughs) 
But that's like the basics, right? You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also, I wow. won't. I won't specify furniture unless my, my one of my studio team has sat at it on it. And my clients ideally have to have to go and do the sit test too, because if, if a home is not comfortable, it's useless. Right, right. As I say, I, I spent my childhood sitting in upright Queen Anne chairs, you know, polished mahogany table. <laughs> the food on wasn't great because we were getting poorer and poorer, but <laughs> but everybody was full of, full of, of, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. And I'm not full of what's not okay. Everything's okay if it's in the right place. Mm-hmm. I, I love that about the sit test. Amy, Amy and Bailey, do you, do you always try out? Um, upholstery and or have your clients do that we do especially when we have things um, custom upholstered um, our upholster has a series of different cushion styles and yeah we we absolutely bring them in for that um, yeah we'd be surprised. some some people aren't really interested but others really get into it so even just like, seeing the behind the scenes you know uh the shop is yeah good. I, I make them actually do as well, not just the sit test, but the flop test that you stand with your back to the sofa and you let yourself drop onto it. Oh. Yeah. So if there's bad upholstery or some of the framing is, is not properly covered, <laughs> you get very sore yeah. outside. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we flop test first for them. We go and we flop and we say, this is what you do. Try it. <laughs> no. Yeah, totally. there are certain, there are definitely certain pieces that I feel are important, like the couch, the sofa, and, you know, the lounging chair and different things like that. So I absolutely want my clients to test them out first. I had a client ask me to, to pick out her mattress and I was like, no, I can't, <laughs> you know, a mattress, like that's your comfort level. Like you have to sleep on that. So you need to know what's firm and what, you know what I mean? So I don't, you have to be there for that. Like, yeah, <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't agree at all. I think sleep is the most important thing. Yeah. That's what we're all losing and not getting enough of. And so I, I make my clients go to the mattress and lie on it. Yes, <laughs> no. you have to. Yeah. Or if I know a really good mattress, I'll, you know, I'll recommend it. And, and because I've tried it myself. Because yes. people should spend more money on their bed than they do on many other things. Absolutely. The bed works hard eight hours a night, right? Or seven hours or six hours, depending. And people people say, well, I'll just get an actress myself. I said, no. <laughs> no. Know what well, you're doing. That, yeah, you um, have to know what you're doing. You have to test it out. Totally. I was thinking just one thing I always love to ask people that are very busy and creative, uh, like the three of you. And I think the bed is the perfect segue. What, how, what's your like self-care regimen or how do you bring wellness about, do you, you know, into your daily or several times a week life? Where do you rank self-care? Let's start with Amy. Oh man. Well, if you asked me this like six months ago, my answer would have been very different. I feel like I'm not the person coming out of quarantine with a six pack. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, that, um, that groove is very fragile. And, um, you know, I, I used to do a ton of yoga and, um, I've been, I've been trying. It's not the same at home. Um, but, um, as simple as it sounds for me, especially since, you know, I've been home, 
um, is just been practicing gratitude. And it's so powerful. Um, I mean, I, I do have a Peloton bike. I, I have been, you know, cycling and I have meditation apps and things like that. But I think that ultimately, um, I thought that I would be doing so much more than what I actually am. Um, but I actually feel really happy. And I think it's because of that gratitude, like for everything, for every person in my life, for the conversations that we're having, um, for the quality time that we're having together when we can have it, mm-hmm. um, just for being able to like be in my home and, and not wonder where my next meal is coming from. Honestly, um, I have this really great journal that a friend of mine got me. It's called Fucking Brilliant, One Line a Day. It's <laughs> like a little gratitude journal. Um, and so I try when I can, you just like one little thing every day. Um, and that's been really great too. And I thought, I'm going to look back at this time and I'll get back into my groove. I, mm-hmm. I just slowly am, but I just want to be, you know, honest to just say like, I, I, I'm feeling a little out of line, um, mm-hmm. but, but on track at the same time, if that makes sense. Right. Well, I, yeah, no, it does. And, you know, gratitude, I think forgiveness is something that's very hard, especially when, um, for people that, uh, like I think creatives are always thinking, you know, I've got to, I've got to do better. I've got to do this. I'm not doing enough. I'm like, you know, so a little, a little slack, a little slack, you know? Uh, and honestly, just, you know, with some of the work that, that I, and the, the connections and the work that I'm doing in Tanzania, you know, like they're, they've got real problems, you know, so right. truly just being able to like, just focus on, um, on the positive. Yes. It's, it's not always easy, but it's really transformative when you can do it. Yes. Ellie, what's your, um, tell me a little bit about your self-care or a ritual that helps you sort of get aligned. I actually do a daily head blessing ritual um, where I take essential oils and, you know, and water and I mix them together and I do this whole head blessing. I do that daily. I also get together with one of my close friends um, and we do what we call spirit circle and we bless our chakras and we make sure that we're setting our intentions for the week or for the day. Um, It's just really important for me because I am dealing with a lot of different energies. Um, I'm working with a lot of different people, um, not just clients, but even just contractors and everyone else. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you have your family stuff, you're a real person. So you have all your other stuff. So you just want to make sure I for me, I just need to make sure that I am clear and centered, and that my intentions are, you know, set and good, and that I can start my day um, with good energy, with a with with a happy feeling, and um, optimism. Always mm, optimism. Always, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. Clara, what's your? <laughs> that's Clara, great. What's your What's your routine like? What What my week been like? Your Your routine. What's oh my your, routine? Yeah. Uh, oh, I I I taught myself to um, get out of bed as fast as I can in the morning. Char, get myself ready. Mix my I mix my own essential oils every day, and. Um, so that when I when I start work, that's I'm, I'm I'm as ready as I'd be in the office, right? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not they're treating your home office like you have to go out and go into something different, you know. And right. I go for walking meditations. I find it very hard to sit still in COVID, but to, to sit on a cushion. So I go for walking meditations. And um, one of my best things to do, actually, I love to cook. So I put on the music from the country whose dish from which the dish comes from. Uh, that's terrible English, but <laughs> so it's, if it's if it's Brazil, I have samba going while I'm cooking and I'm dancing in the kitchen, and I find that's a great release. Dancing is terrific. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, lots of things actually. Not like we we have a philanthropic cause. There's many of them actually, but one in particular in Africa. And we're mad. I'm thinking also when I get up, how can we fundraise? Where can we find somebody to donate something today? <laughs> Positive thinking. Yes. And yes. I I I started um, art consulting a year and a half ago, but also I had my first photography exhibition a year and a half ago, which is probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Because usually you have a team, you know. <laughs> but when you open an exhibition and people are coming in, it's you. <laughs> a solo I- performance. So I've been. I've been taking lots of photos and getting a new exhibition together. And that also is very harmonic for me. It's very meditational. Many, many things. But I have a very shallow side. I think the best thing I did for myself was I had a pedicure the other day. (laughs) First one to five months. I thought, oh, my God. Well, you know, getting touched is like, you know, besides the people that you're living with, you don't really get touched by many people anymore. Exactly. So exactly. that's, that's, I, I, um, again, it's like I'm trying to catch up lost time, but I know everybody, all, all of you are very deeply involved in, uh, philanthropy and community. And, um, Amy and, um, Clota, you've mentioned just a little bit about your, your causes, but I'd love you to just, I know you're, you're working on educating communities. Can you just briefly tell us about what they are and, and what it does? Well, my main squeeze in this is, uh, are the Samburu tribe in Northern Kenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're we're helping to educate uh, a nomad, a pastoral nomadic tribe. Very hard for them to get educated because the little kids just have uh, chalkboards under, under the nearest largest thorn tree. And after mm-hmm. that, you know, after that they go back to tending the cattle and so on and so forth. So we've now got I think fifteen hundred kids, and we have we have uh, after twenty years almost we have uh, kids. The parents are parents are all illiterate. Basically, most of them are illiterate. Now we have kids that are environmentalists, nurses, you know, they're doing, um, they're electricians, mm. they're, you know, and, and some of them have gone back to the tribe to teach. Mm. So it's, um, it's, it's a lovely circle. They're beautiful people. They call them the butterfly people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm wearing, I'm wearing their bracelets today. <laughs> beautiful so, beaded bracelets. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've got my Maasai earrings on too. <laughs> oh, you've got Maasai earrings. I love the Maasai too. I love their dancing circles. Have you been to have been to Maasai Mara? Um, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. My yeah. first um my big life changing moment um was helping fundraise to build a school um outside of Arusha in Tanzania near Mount Kilimanjaro. And that was Oh, probably about 13 or 14 years ago. And so 
fast forward, I mean, I've just stayed committed to this. And um, like you, I'm seeing these kids who are orphans. Um, we've put them through school and um, university and 10% of girls have an opportunity to be educated. And so to see, you know, some of my girls who are coming out on top with like finance degrees, I mean, granted, getting work there is another story. Um, but that really sparked um, something in me that I was just like, life will never be the same after this. So mm-hmm. I feel like my heart and soul lives in East Africa. I don't know if you feel that way too, Cloda. I feel my heart and soul is kind of everywhere. And I try to embrace everything and everywhere. I travel so much and seen so much. But but I have to tell you that when uh, we, we managed to sponsor the first girl's dorm, because I said they couldn't go into secondary education because the tribe kept moving on. Um, everybody, when I went there for the opening, it was the most astounding moment. It's almost, you, you, when you see the joy, and, and it, at $20 in Kenya, so as you know, it's a multiple of 20 practically, you know, mm. that how little, how little money really it takes to, to do this. And we have wonderful sponsors for the kids, for the for the stu- for the stu- students who are going to college, and that's and interestingly enough, it's in in the um, in our fr- friends and vendors and so on and so forth. We've had some wonderful, generous people, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's the, it's that red thread around the world that that embraces the whole world all together. Yeah, and then and do then do as you can. For me, it takes up a, a fair amount of time. And um, it just feels very, feel very good. And then we, we work also with City uh, Meals on Wheels here and stuff like that that brings meals to the homeless. And it never makes you feel bad. I, I mean, being philanthropic is, is actually being philanthropic towards yourself because you get this glow when you see somebody being better because of you, that you've left somebody in a better state. I mean, what better yeah. gift is there actually? Yeah. And that's what design does too. Uh, you know, I've had people cry. You know, mm. oh, you, you, you've changed. You, you've changed my life. You've changed our family life. You know, that's what we do as designers. We yeah. change the office life. We create a community state basis. And hotels, even now, they're 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 calling back of house heart of house. Isn't that lovely? Heart of house. <laughs> the heart of house is no oh, longer the, heart of the house. back of house. Is no longer the back of house. Is the heart mm-hmm. of house. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I think that, I, and I know um, with philanthropy, Amy, you've said before that you know not only um, like people come to you or and they're interested. You know, clients are attracted to that sense of of, of giving and purpose that you share. I want to I want to um, get to Bailey. Um, before we have to sign off, but, um, Bailey, you do a lot of, um, Bailey's really tapped into her local art community and like loves the whole female empowerment. Um, are you, Bailey, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Come on and talk yeah. about some of the things. I mean, you know, you've, you've donated your time to causes, but I'd love to just talk about your sort of your female empowerment. Um, like get that message out. <laughs> yes, um, it's been important for me as an African American woman growing up here in America, and just not having a lot of uh, resources and support and different things like that. And so for me, is is just in seeing other women like me, and like Cloda said, you know, you can set out. 
to inspire a million people. But if you just start with one, if you just start, you know, really just uplifting one person, and then that has this ripple effect where you end up uplifting so many more just by your actions or by your message in that moment. And so it's been art for me. Um, I, like I said, I, I entered into the art realm by being um, invited to do installations and exhibitions with other artists that I've collaborated with. And most recently, I did um, an exhibition called the Femin 3D exhibition, where I was the installation artist, along with a fashion designer. And the messages there were definitely about woman em- women empowerment. Um, I had a chair installation where each chair represented a, a you know, a single woman, but they're all bonded together and they, they make up the skirt of this one female, one woman. And it's talking about how if we come together as, as women and we support one another, the well, power the that we have to for another 15 minutes. so many more. The audio that we used in this podcast did not. It cut off just before Bailey would explain her Vaginas Are Lit art installation and how her wall murals have hidden messages. And before Cloda would talk about the medical marijuana clinic she had just done and why she likens designers to travel guides and how the pandemic is shaping some of Amy's projects and how she's transformed sentimental objects and materials into meaningful home furnishings. I urge you seriously to go and finish listening and watching this podcast. Also, I think you might like pairing the voices to faces. All you have to do is go to lasvegasmarket.com and go to the Seminars and Events tab and scroll down and find the part where it says, if you missed a webinar. There are many wonderful seminars there. Ours is called Designing an Uncommon Life. Fast forward to 59 minutes, because that's where we pretty much dropped off and enjoy the rest. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to said, I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.